Sex is the life force energy that runs through us all. The link between sex, creativity, and the sense of aliveness is strong. Can you use sexual energy for your spiritual evolution? Or perhaps for emotional healing? Is it even possible? Clinical sexologist Dr. Martha Tara Lee will explore all these and more on the Eros Evolution Show here on Ohm Times Radio and TV. Hello, hello, and welcome to Eros Evolution. This is where we talk about sex, spirituality, and everything in between. Today, I have a very interesting, amazing guest. Uh, she's really a reality star show host and um, really getting a big traction in the UK. So today's session, we're going to be talking about managing intersections. So BDSM authority, transfer-based relationships, and non-monogamy. So that's this intersection between the two. So being in a being in an authority transfer-based relationship can be complex enough. So if you add non-monogamy into the mix, maintaining healthy, joyful relationships can seem so difficult. So in today's episode, we'll be talking about how this intersection will look like, the skills to make these relationships more likely to be successful, and what it is like to live full-time in the intersection of these two alternative lifestyles. So for those of you who do not... Uh, uh, feel that you are in these relationships or not even interested in these relationships, uh, please stay tuned because it's so important to just be better, you know, in communication when it comes to our own personal relationships. So let me introduce more about my guest, uh, Dr. Uh, Laurie Beth Bitsley. She's a psychotherapist, uh, she's a psychologist, sorry, psychologist, a sex and intimacy coach, accredited advanced uh, GSRD, which stands for Gender, Sex and relationship diversity therapist who has been working with people for over 33 years, helping them to create and maintain amazing relationships containing sizzling sex without the shame. So she's the resident psycho uh, psychologist, uh, aka Dr. Laurie, on uh, this show called Open House, The Great Sex Experiment. And it's by uh, Firecracker Films, uh, Channel 4 UK. So she's also the host of long-running podcast, The A to Z of Sex. So do be sure to check it out. And the author of a number of books from self-help to erotic memoir to erotica. She identifies as a queer, polyamorous, leather woman who lives with a full-time authority transfer-based relationship with her husband, as well as having a number of other committed intimate relationships. So be sure to check her out on all social media platforms as uh, Dr. Laurie Beth Bitsley, that's B-I-S-B-E-Y, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube. And her website is drlauriebethbitsley.com. And uh, her podcast is a to z of sex.com. So, welcome to the show. Thank you, my God. That's such a long introduction. Yeah, I didn't want to miss anything. And um, just giving a shout out to you. So, uh, uh, for those of you just listening to the audio, uh, Dr. Laurie has uh, red curly hair and uh, just looks simply fabulous. And uh, behind her is her um, book bookcase. Uh, so how many books do you have? How many have I written? Um, let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. There's six in print. Well, no, there's seven in print and I've written eight. And I've got chapters in a couple of other books as well. 
Wow, you're prolific. Uh, I have four and uh, yeah, I've been sitting on my <laughs> ass for quite some time and <laughs> yeah, I really need to get going. I've okay, got one so in progress and it dri it's driving me nuts. It's it, when you're in a regular writing theme, you put out a lot, but when you take a break, it's the death knell to get back in that pattern. Yeah, it, it, it takes on a, a momentum. So, um, yeah, it really takes discipline and it's like birthing a child. It really is. I yes, experienced is. birthing pains when I was writing one of my books. Uh, so let's talk about BDSM authority transfer-based relationships. How How is it that um, you use this term authority transfer? Because I think this is the first time I come across this term. Okay, so it used to be called power exchange yeah right and part of the reason that we move from using power exchange to authority transfer is that we're not actually giving up your power and the example that a friend of mine used that i still love is if you give your best friend your keys to the car you still own the car you're just letting them drive it. So when you're handing over authority, you still have your power. You're not giving that away. You're just saying to someone else, I'm gonna let you run the show with consent. And so at any time you can assert your power. And I think that's a important distinction because people who listen to, to us talk about it, get very concerned about abuse and coercion if you're not handing your power over and you know that it's much harder to be coerced. I love it. It's just about being more accurate. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's I also, yeah, go on. <laughs> well, it, I think the thing people don't get is that there are power dynamics in every relationship. The difference here is we're negotiating them. We're being conscious of them we're thinking about what's going to go in this dynamic what am i handing authority over to how much of of the authority am i giving you whereas in in a kind of a traditional marriage it's all assumed and it's never discussed yeah i find that this um, non-discussing this assumption actually causes a lot of problems and uh, I think what people do not realize about these uh, authority transfer relationships and people who are um, into uh, energy play, uh, sensation play, I, I don't think they realize how much communication and negotiation there needs to be. Some people might identify with, okay, I, I, I'm into this kind of thing. And uh, they just throw themselves into it without any training, without any realization, they really need to sharpen their communication skills. Absolutely. That's the, to me, the most important part of this is that you're actually negotiating everything because these things run so deep. You know, the fact, let's say you decide to do um, some forms of sensation play, actually allowing somebody to create an intense sensation that hits you in, on all levels, spiritual, emotional, and physical. And if you're not talking about it and you're not prepared for it, it can really impact the whole of a person's life. 
and they've had no preparation. And maybe your partner thought that this was something casual, but for you, it turns out to be something deep. Then there's a mess to clean up. Whereas if you're actually communicating, well, what is it that I'm actually, I actually want and getting education and gaining sort of supervised experience so you know what to do with all the feelings that arise. Yeah, it's really so important because what what might seem like a small thing, you know, you can't you can't take it back. It seems like a small thing, but it can have a detrimental effect. It can feel so violating. Um, <laughs> I I mean, I don't want to like throw around this term so um, frivolously, but sometimes it feels as damaging and violating as like. You know, people use the word like, I feel like I've been raped. Well, if you're not prepared, it can feel that intense. Yeah. And um, that's just, that's just, well, I find myself, I have, I have used this term before because sometimes it's, you just want to use some kind of uh, analogy to describe what, the, what is the level of violation you're feeling just to get through to the person that you're trying to communicate with. So uh, having gone into that, uh, let's talk about what can people do to be better uh, if they are interested in these kinds of relationships when it comes to authority transfer, uh, um, sensation play, like what should they be doing um, to take care of yourself? How can they be better communicators? I mean, I think the first thing is that you need to know something about what you desire. So what is it? why are you doing this? And I know that sounds like a ridiculous question, but I get people who have watched 50 shades of gray and they decide they want to do it because they have a romanticized version about what this actually looks like. Right? So why is it something that turns you on? Is it, is, is there something about the power exchange, the authority transfer that makes you feel safer? Is it a bit risky? Are you looking for more sensations? Once you look at what you want, then you have to be really careful in your partner choosing. You know, we learn how to risk assess in every area of our lives, except relationships. It's the only area where people make decisions based on the strangest criteria, you know? And they don't listen to their gut and they just, it's so bizarre. When you think about the number of times I've said to somebody who's in a relationship that isn't working, well, so how, how come you haven't left? Well, he hasn't done something bad enough to justify leaving a good man. Excuse me. What does that mean? So you're going to stay miserable because in order to leave, you've been taught it has to be because it's a bad person. The idea that you screen people before you get together with them. And if it turns out that you have different values, then stop there. It's, it's If they have a good job and they're good people, if you have different values, you're probably not going to be compatible in the long term. If you're looking for different things, why get more involved? But there's this 
this whole mystique around how we choose our partners that actually doesn't use logic at all and doesn't trust our guts. And, and those are the two things we need to engage. So if you want to enter these sorts of relationships safely, you need to learn how to risk assess. If something feels wrong, you don't wait around to try to figure out what that is. You just pull back. Because when you're entering this type of relationship, you are giving people more control than in an ordinary relationship. And you are often doing things that are more dangerous than you would in an ordinary relationship. Therefore, you have to be more sure that this is a safe person. So that's where I start. It's okay. So let's look at how connected you are to your gut. And do you actually process fear properly? And, and that's, that's where to start. The other thing is to make sure that you are comfortable talking about anything. I, I was talking to someone earlier today who said um, she doesn't like to tell her partner no because she feels guilty. And she was talking about sex being painful. And I said, well, I understand not wanting to start something and then stop in the middle. But if you're in pain, you're not present anyway. At some point, you actually have to deal with it. She said, but he'll feel bad. And I said, what makes you think he doesn't feel bad while you're doing this? And he knows you're not aroused and he knows you're not having a good time. So we've got to get comfortable with talking about sex in the first instance and our needs and our desires and negotiating just like you would negotiate purchasing something. I know that sounds like a terrible comparison, but we think nothing of like negotiating up for, for jobs. Like I, you might negotiate your, your salary, your package of benefits, all those things. And yet in a relationship, we accept what the other person puts on the table without saying, actually, that doesn't work for me, or I need some of this, none of that. We just kind of accept the whole package. Yeah, I love what you said. Uh, so important for everybody to know this. I think we give away our power and we get caught up with people-pleasing habits and patterns. Yeah that uh, we lose ourselves along the way and if you are not able to be your own person to have a self-awareness including learning what it means to listen to your gut then uh, it's going to be problematic i have people who think that just because they want to do something like it's just supposed to happen naturally it's supposed to be organic it's supposed to just flow and um, I think we get caught up with, um, like you mentioned, Fifty Shades of Grey, because they do not model uh, consent. And um, um, yeah, you know, it, it's it, fashionable. It, yeah, yeah, putting in more effort may seem not sexy, but actually, this is reality. I think we need to hear messages like what we're putting out here for people to understand is so important 
so important, uh, the things that you just mentioned. Uh, get clear about why we want to do this, why we want to get into authority transfer relationships, why we want to do sensation play, um, partner choosing, uh, using your logic and gut, uh, being comfortable with communicating, including talking with about anything. I think we do need to develop a sense of uh, ability to just transcend all that because your life is important. It's so important to be safe. Yeah. I, I'm amazed at how many risks people take when it comes to meeting people that they would never take in any other part of their lives. I mean, it was, we were talking the other day about catfishing. Um, and I don't know, have you heard the term kitten, kitten fishing? Okay, so catfishing is when the person you're talking to is someone totally different. Kitten fishing is when the person is is the actual person, but they're inflating their job or how much money they make, or they're using pictures from 10 years ago, or sometimes they're covering up negative behaviors. So people will just take this stuff and talk about the fact, I liked what you said when you said, you know, it, it's supposed to be organic. That's one of the biggest myths there is. There's nothing organic about any of this. Desire, that's organic, right? And even that's not consistent, but it's organic. But actually, when we start having sexual relationships, if we don't talk, we don't have a good time. Also, if we don't talk, you mentioned giving your power away to someone else. If we don't talk when we do have a good time, we think it's because of someone else, not anything to do with us, which is awful. Because if someone else owns your power and owns your pleasure, then if they walk away, you're, you're lost. So I actually send people back to basics and say, if you're thinking about trying this, go spend some time on your own with some erotica. Self-pleasure with these thoughts and these desires and make sure that it's actually these activities you're, that turn you on before you even talk to someone else. Because often I think people do see things or something's fashionable and they don't actually pay attention to what their body says. They just think it's something they should do. Like we need to spice things up. Let's try this. Let's try spanking. I had a couple come in and say, we're going to try spanking. We need to spice things up. And I was watching the man's face. She was really excited. And he was like long, you know, frown and his arms were crossed. I said to him, does this turn you on at all? He said, no. So why are, why are you going to try it? Well, you know, that's what people say will spice your relationship up. And I said, not if you don't like it. <laughs> but people aren't used to checking in with their bodies. I remember doing a show with you for my podcast on masturbation. And you said, 
you were talking about full day masturbation, self-love dates, which I have recommended to clients ever since was like the most wonderful thing I ever heard. The idea of actually spending a full day in erotic contact with you so that you could take that information in the future and use that to inform what you ask your partner for. And I think people really need to spend more time in self-exploration before they're out looking for these new things. Yeah, I know so many people, um, you know, as I sat with what you're saying, I, I know so many people who are probably like not, it will not go down well with them because I think we are so used to jumping ahead. We're so used to doing things quickly. We don't have patience for these things anymore. And so we don't take the time to be with ourselves. I think one of the most intolerable things for some people for some people that I know of, is, is spending time with yourselves. So the idea of pleasuring themselves, fantasizing, masturbating, I think it comes across as pathetic to them when in reality, you need to be so sensitized to who you are, what you like, that um, that is the only real way you can be safe because you really, really need to know yourself. Yeah. I mean, it, it, especially if you're going to do more extreme things, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm usually not a doom and gloom sayer. You know, I, I encourage people to try things. But the amount of damage that you can get into that can be done to you or you can do to yourself by jumping into something like this without really knowing how you feel about it and without ascertaining that the person that you're going to engage with is safe is huge. So yeah. you really have to be able to sort that out. And then when we add non-monogamy to that, oh my God, even more complex. Yeah. So let's speak a little bit to non-monogamy for people who don't understand what that means. So non-monogamy is whenever you're having more than one consensual sexual relationship at the same time versus monogamy where you have one person and that's the only person you have sex with. So just and to be Monogamy runs the gamut from just going out and having sex with multiple people to having actual full on emotional relationships with multiple people. Yeah. And uh, just to be clear, it's not cheating. No, because it's because the the word there was consensual. Everybody has to know and be okay. Yes, and the, extent, and the extent to which they uh, choose to know or not know about some things uh, is entirely up to the people involved to negotiate and to agree on. Yes. And, and so some people don't want to know what their partner does with someone else. And they'll be like, I just want to know that who this person is and that they're a safe person. Some people don't even want to know who the person is, right? So some people have arrangements where um, when one person is out of town, what they do is their own business. Other people 
everybody sits down at the table together to have dinner. It's the whole range. But the important bit is it's all negotiated and all agreed on. Mm. So when it comes to non-monogamy, the same things apply, knowing your why, uh, being uh, mindful about partner choosing, using your logic and God, and uh, being able to talk about anything. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and listen, I, if you're in a relationship and you're thinking about opening it up, the time to do that is when your relationship is strong, not when you're having problems. Oh, my God. Tell me about it. Uh, so there's this uh, sex educator in Singapore um, when somebody was um, sharing uh, about how uh, sex is not good. And then she just brought up, oh, have you thought about open relationship? And I was like, that is the last thing you should be doing to a relationship that is not stable and strong. Absolutely. And then just like flippantly just throw things out there without really understanding the consequences so yeah, there are untrained people uh, doing a lot of harm, and uh, it's so important to realize it's not supposed to be a distraction. No, it's supposed to add, uh, spice things up, you know, like or maybe be on this path of self-realization and self-actualization, rather than uh, just to cover things that are not working. Yeah, when I did the show, it was very interesting to me why couples wanted to do this so um there was one couple on the show who just hadn't dealt with their history and they were there was a lot of pressure and the man was we want to do this and we want to do it now and i was you're not ready for this if you don't work out your previous affairs and your relationship and you do this, it will have negative consequences. There was another couple where it was sort of like, you know how people have a baby to save a relationship? That was what this was. And it's like, this is not going to save a relationship that's on the rocks. Yeah, it's so, it's so clear to us as an outsider, but them living, living out their own lives, I think sometimes they just get so excited. They just want a quick fix. And uh, it's, it's sometimes not, not the nicest thing in the world to be the bad person. Yeah. No, so they want, a lot of times people want my permission to go and I'll, I'll give you my permission once you've done the work you need to do. It's a lot of fun when you are ready. And even then, we all have feelings to manage. Yeah. So you have to know that it isn't easy. It's not an yeah. easy lifestyle. It's not easy. Yeah. Also, so after this break, uh, we'll come back and uh, unpack more of this. Absolutely. Home Times TV. Imagine becoming a super influencer. Reinvent yourself, invest in your brand, and then manifest your success with a robust, spheric approach. Ohm Times Media and Broadcasting offers a unique and multifaceted way to become the spiritual and conscious influencer you deserve to be by putting your message across our powerful platform with its proven record of integrity and excellence. 
Through our produced shows, OM Times offers the opportunity to become a social media TV personality, a radio show host, an OM Times magazine columnist, and a syndicated podcaster, all in one shot. By live streaming your show on OM Times TV and broadcasting it across the extensive OM Times radio and TV networks, you become more than a host. You become an ambassador and a force for positive change. OM Times, open yourself to the possibilities. If I could be you, you could be me for just one hour. If we could find a way to get inside each other's minds. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Well, before you abuse, criticize and accuse. Walk a mile in my shoes. Hello, we're back after the break. And uh, I am with uh, Dr. Laurie Beth Bitsley. And uh, today we're talking about the intersection of uh, BDSM authority transfer, based relationships and non-monogamy. So just before break, we we're talking about what it takes to be in transfer-based relationships and non-monogamous relationships. And uh, just to uh, give a shout out about her offers. So she has uh, two new services. One is a two-hour laser breakthrough session to help couples uh, or individuals get unstuck on any one issue. And the code is EROS, E-R-O-S, to get a 25% discount. So go to her website, go under private coaching. The second service is you can ask any question that you have for her and um, you can go under uh, her website under the uh, icon, a shop. That's Dr. Laura, Laurie uh, Beth Bitsley uh, backslash uh, shop. And uh, so, yes, uh, we're coming back to talk about the intersection between uh, power, uh, sorry, uh, authority-based, uh, authority transfer relationships and non-monogamy. So what makes the intersection so difficult, you think? Okay, so in all um, authority transfer-based relationships have a hierarchy. Somebody's the boss and somebody's obedient or the follower, you know, it, it, so somebody's in charge and somebody's not, right? In non-monogamy, there's a dogma recently that says that hierarchy is bad. I don't agree with it. I think there's hierarchies all over the place and that what we need to do is acknowledge what's there. But there is a, a dogma on that side that says hierarchy is bad. All relationships should be equal. And with a charity transfer, frequently the person in charge also wants to be somewhat in charge of the other relationships. So your partners negotiated it with you, but if you've brought in another person, they haven't. So you can see where that would be complex. It's, so if I date somebody, I'll use myself because it's easy. If I date somebody, my husband meets everybody I date. He speaks to at least, I mean, with, with COVID, it, it's a little different, but he speaks to and gets to know anybody I date. Once he's comfortable with the person, then he's not involved. 
right? Then I have my relationship and that's fine. But he's not happy with me just going and meeting somebody and dating because he's in charge, right? Some people won't date me because of that. Because they don't want to have to know someone else or get someone else's approval in order to date, right? It's, they're like, he's not involved in our relationship. Why should I care what he thinks? Now, when I say that, I always think about that as, well, you should always care. If somebody's married, you should always care what, that their partner is really okay with you. It's about respect. It's a basic courtesy. You don't have to be friends, but you, you definitely want to have that person think well of you and you think well of them as basic courtesy. But people, people get very upset about the idea of having to pay respect to anyone else if that's not their lifestyle. So that makes it difficult. And then on the other side, there's this idea that everything should be equal. Nobody should be prioritized is the non-monogamy dogma at the time, at the most, at the moment. Um, and yet, I see that as unrealistic. If you live with somebody, you're going to prioritize them. You're not even going to think about it. If you pay bills with somebody, if you have pets or you're raising children with somebody, you're going to prioritize them. It, it's just part of living with someone. And would you feel okay if you actually were paying bills with somebody, running a house with somebody, and your partner met someone new, and that person was demanding equal time, equal attention, and they just walked in the door? No, that would feel odd. But a lot of times, the dogma is very philosophical and doesn't actually take into account practicalities and emotions that come up as a result. So it can make that intersection dicey. It can be difficult to manage. The other time it's really difficult is if I'm someone, for example, that all of my sexual relationships have a, an authority transfer with them because I like that. That's what turns me on. And there are a lot of people like me. So having more than one person in charge is complicated. Because people who like to be in charge don't usually like to share that role. But when you can get it right, it's wonderful. You know, when you get it right, you get all sorts of different flavors of each type of relationship and you get to experience all the different flavors and that's that makes it worth the work in my view mm. so i think at this point people might have that question I, I i know the answer is pretty obvious to you why do people get themselves into these situations knowing how complicated and difficult it can be well i'm not sure the answer is obvious i mean for me um what, what I experience and I've observed in the world and with clients is that usually it's because our, 
needs are along these lines. So for me, sexually, when we talk about sexual orientation, your sexual orientation it is about who you're attracted to. I'm not attracted to gender. I'm attracted to dominance. So authority transfer-based relationships for me, that's my sexual orientation because what turns me on is somebody who has that power and that dominance and for me to be able to hand over control. So that's, that's why I step into that. And there are a lot of people like me who will say it's complicated, but it's what I actually need. When you add non-monogamy, similar answer. I mean, when I really feel strongly about somebody, I see no reason not to have a sexual relationship, you know, if, if it's appropriate, right? I'm not, um, I share, and I, you know, that's just how I am. And, and so the idea of being monogamous Although I have been, I had a monogamous marriage. Um, it was pretty awful. <laughs> it, it, it felt like I was constantly having to step on how I felt and step on desires and because I wanted to keep to the promise I made to my partner. Yeah. Most people get involved in these situations because of the things that turn them on. Mm. Thank you so much for your answer. So to me, the obvious answer is um, people who get into authority-based, non-monogamous relations do it because it is it is a big part of who they are. It's not, it's not a negotiable. It's, it's mm. a need. It's like you said, it's an orientation. And uh, the world is made up of all kinds of different peoples. And it's so important to understand that uh, they're just different from you, you know, the monogamous model. I think people just assume that of others because this, you know, monogamous people seem to be in the majority. And so there's this privilege of or this uh, blinkers of assuming that that must be the case for other people. So it's so important to not make assumptions. And also there's really no need to judge people who choose to be in a different kind of relationship than you. You don't need to understand. You just need to accept that people are different. And we get handed this. Monogamy is, in most cultures, in the present day, is what we're brought up to expect. We're not taught to think about these things and choose. And for me, I think it's so important that people choose which means they have to understand monogamy and the, the pros and the cons and understand des desire in a really deep way and understand the options out there like non-monogamy and hierarchical relationships and authority transfer-based relationships. And then they make a choice. If they make a choice to be monogamous, that's great because they're making a choice. And they're understanding this is what I need. This is what's important to me. Then it's far easier. I think it's the issue of people just accepting what they're being told that's the problem. Yeah. How do you know that what you are doing is 
what is right for you if you never challenge or ask yourself, is this working for me? It's so important uh, whether it comes to your career choice or like where you live or whether you want to have kids. And it also extends to the nature of the relationship that you choose to be in. So I totally get that. I think so many people just go through the humdrum. They don't, they never question and then they're never really happy and they never realize why they're not happy. It's so important to have that sense of self-awareness uh, that we talked about at the start of this. So uh, I would love to uh, hear from you more about this kind of skills that are involved. We started to talk about the importance of communication, but are there specific skills that you feel people need to um, uh, develop so that we can negotiate um, uh, authority transfer and non-monogamous relationships? So negotiation itself is a particular skill. Just because you can communicate doesn't mean you can negotiate. One of the areas that people need help is learning how to negotiate, which also means being able to understand the other person's point of view. When I was growing up, we were taught, we used to have to learn how to debate. And as part of learning how to debate, they had us take a viewpoint that we didn't hold, go research it, and then debate that viewpoint. And the reason was to teach us how to allow ourselves to hear something different and sit with that. We don't teach that anymore. People often are surrounded by people who only have their viewpoints and they go to social media and they hang out with the people who only have their viewpoints. That makes negotiation really difficult. So skill number one is actually learning how to be comfortable hearing things completely different from your worldview and how to re then respond in a non-combative way. So in a respectful way, um, in a way that allows further communication instead of shutting it down. And so, so taking a mediation course is a really cool thing to do. Even if you're not planning on doing that with work or anything like that, you can do a mediation short course that will teach you how to do that, to, un to gather the different point of views, to rephrase things, and to balance and communicate in a non-judgmental, non-combative way. I love that. The other thing is we go back again to knowing yourself. And the more awareness you have of yourself and your own needs and your values, and the things that you're comfortable negotiating about and the things that are just deal breakers, the things you must have, the easier this is. And most people don't spend time learning that. You can learn that in therapy, there are self-help, in spiritual disciplines, in coaching. There are lots of ways that you can access 
learning about yourself. I advise people to do more than one because you access different things depending on the way in which you access. And actually prioritize getting to know you. Then when you're in these situations, it's much easier. For example, if you, when you were a child, were someone who never liked to share your toys, non-monogamy may not be for you, right? <laughs> and it seems a silly thing, but if you didn't learn to share your toys later, if you never managed that, you always felt uncomfortable with it, no judgment, it's harder to share a person that's important to you than it is to share your favorite stuffy, right? So looking at things from that viewpoint, what suits me, if you then still really wanna try this, you may need to go learn how to share, like work on those issues, but then you're doing it because you've made a choice to go do this instead of finding yourself in a situation that feels like a mess. Most of us, when we reach adulthood, spend the first 10 or so years acting out the things we learn from home. You know, e even when we've had therapy, even when we still, most of us still spend about the first 10 years trying like hell to fit the model we were given. It's better not to do that. It's better to actually choose that model or something else. Mm, I agree. Yeah. I work with a lot of uh, high conflict couples where they put their values onto their partner like this is wrong. And the only reason why it's wrong is because they were brought up in a different environment and through their lenses, that's wrong. So I hear what you're saying. So the skills that we need to navigate this intersection, uh, first one is not just communication skills, but also uh, negotiation skills. And uh, then coming back to knowing yourself, including the things that you mentioned, your values, and um, even something as uh, simple as the awareness of, am I somebody who is open to sharing? Uh, any other skills that you would like to mention? How to let go. <laughs> That's a really hard one. Mindfulness is a good place to start. Meditation practice. Those are the places where you start to learn those skills. But letting go is really important if you want to. Surrender is a skill. And in authority transfer relationships, Surrender from the person who is giving up authority is sur surrendering and surrender is a skill and it's not a skill taught in the West. We're taught to hold on to everything, right? So learning that skill is really important. Um, and like I said, mindfulness, meditation are two of the best places to start learning that yeah i agree with you 
I think part of letting go is also training yourself to let go of relationships that doesn't, doesn't work for you. Yes, yes. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. There's no need to beat yourself up over the mismatch because you are who you are, they are who they are. And if it's not working, you know, life is too short. Just move on and find somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. I think we do people a disservice when we tell them that there's one person for you and once you find them everything is perfect there's an abundance of people out there and the idea is to find a relationship or relationships where everybody is happy and can grow together and if a relationship isn't working as you say it's not a failure it just didn't work it's worth looking at patterns to see if it, where you can change. But otherwise, I always am reminded, what do you have control over and what don't you? And reality is I can control me. That's it. So if your relationship is failing, and you're thinking, well, if I change them or if, if they would do this differently, remember that you may be able to ask someone to do something differently, but if they don't want to, you have no control over that. So you need to take actions that you can, in, in relation to what you can control. Okay, so at this point, uh, I, I think we've given listeners a lot of value, but I really, really am so curious about your reality show. Like what, what happened in that reality show? Can people find it or watch it online? So I don't know if it's online yet um, because it was a network show. But basically, we took heteronormative couples who wanted to open their relationships and we brought them to a retreat where we had open-minded single people and they came and met with me and then we organized experiences for them and then they came and met with me again um and uh, at the end of the show um they talked about whether they were going to continue doing this or they weren't going to continue doing this so nobody was voted off the show or anything like that but they spent between two and four nights at the retreat trying different things and having sessions with me to look at how they might create a non-monogamous relationship that worked for them. And it was so much fun. And we are back for a second season. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're filming early autumn. And um, so we'll be back in the spring for season two. And what that means, hopefully, is it'll be syndicated and you'll be able to see it on network TV soon. Um, I don't know whether it'll end up officially on YouTube, but I understand that people have found clips there. Ah, okay. <laughs> I know that it would be wasn't it would be so fabulous if it goes on Netflix. Well, I would love that. I would if they if Netflix decides they like it. 
at some point there will be a series for Netflix would be amazing. I would love. Oh it. yeah, I really, I really love the idea of this uh, show. I was so excited when I saw those publicity of you, and I was like, I cannot think of anybody who is as deserving as you. You've been doing this for oh, so you. long and supporting clients and. You are also in the lifestyle. You know what you're talking about. So it's so it's so great. I'm so happy for you to have this success. Uh, so we do need to uh, kind of start to wrap up the show. Do you have any last words? I think if if I say the most important thing is getting to know yourself, and that may sound boring, but it is the most important thing. If you have a single solitary question for me. You can get a video answer by heading over to the shop on my website or on my link tree, which is Dr. Bisbee. There's also a direct link and, and purchase a video response. Um, the two hour breakthrough session is excellent. If you or you and your partner have a particular issue, like if you're thinking about opening up and you want to know, should we even try this? What are pointers specific to us? That session is basically the culmination of what I do on the show. So it's a laser coaching session that will you'll leave with a bunch of information and your own action plan. Mm -hmm. Those would be the things that I think are most exciting at the moment. And yeah. if you use arrows, you'll get 25% off. So you just have to put that in the coupon section. Okay, fantastic. So this is a great offer for listeners. Um, I, I feel there's so much value to have laser coaching because this is where you get personalized, individualized um, yeah. session specific to your needs. And uh, also you just cut through all the bullshit. You don't have to be reading tons of books and uh, things that are irrelevant to you and then getting all confused for nothing. So uh, thank you so much for coming on this show. So uh, be sure to check out her website. That's Dr. Laurie uh, Beth Bitsley. And um, today we have a whole bunch of um, value. So remember to uh, stay tuned to Eros Evolution. Uh, we are on YouTube and also Facebook. Uh, next week, I have a guest. Uh, we're going to be talking about pregnancy loss. Uh, she has experienced pregnancy loss and uh, she's now a pregnancy loss uh, coach. So uh, be sure to stay tuned to Eros Evolution. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs>